Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wright, and joined uh, once again by Matt Leloyan. Matt, welcome back to these terrible work conditions. It's really mm. cold in here today. This room is very cold in the winter. It yeah. does not heat in this admin office. Really suffering for Jesus today mm-hmm. uh, a little bit on yep. our end of things. But, but I've, uh, got, I've got my Jude 1-9 coffee mug. Coffee's keeping me warm this morning. The bones are emanating some heat for us. They and are. there's still some leftover joy, I would mm-hmm. say, from, from yesterday of the... Uh, celebration of our, our brother Ben stepping into yeah. uh, the elder role yesterday. Uh, any other highlights from from yesterday for you, Matt? That was a big highlight for sure. It's always a, a joy when we get to ordain another elder, when we get yeah. to ordain deacons in our church, when we get to celebrate things like that as a church family. Mm-hmm. So that was a real, uh, yeah, real joy, real excitement for me. And yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying now being in the second week of Colossians and yeah. kind of building some momentum a little bit. We we did that with the Beatitudes a little too, but it always is uh, encouraging to me when we get into our fall series, which is typically mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, and then this um, New Testament series in the spring and getting to build each week more and more and being off and running with my Bible study group again with a little bit more specified content. And yeah. So that, yeah, last week was, uh, there's a lot of, lot of moments of joy from from that. Yeah, we even had some clapping yesterday. Oh man! You know, Jeff yeah. was arrested, brought down the house. I think both, both services I a think little that's bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you're right, though. I think we all feel that joy of the build of what Colossians is doing, mm-hmm. even two weeks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even yesterday, I think it's appropriate that we're talking about fullness, right? Yeah. So fullness of of what? And I, yeah. I think that's what like Paul is actually starting to build that argumentation of what are we full of and uh, yeah. what do we need to be filled with even, uh, even yeah. speaking to like your points on God's power yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and so why don't we then like just jump in? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Bible studies again are, are meeting. Yeah. Again. We got questions uh, we again. Have questions. So yep. thank you for actually like this. Let's me. This warmed my heart a little to know yeah. that someone actually listened to my announcements yesterday yeah. and they like submitted Absolutely. something. You know, uh, sometimes it feels like people are listening. So it's like you know, positive reinforcement. It's just like with kids, right? You, you keep today. saying it. They like they internalize it eventually. Eventually, yeah, it's they're listening. They're listening. But we have some awesome questions to get to, and we want to equip our Bible studies to be able to navigate and wrestle with this text that we looked at yesterday. So, uh, Matt, you preach on Colossians one verses nine through fourteen yesterday, titled "Fullness" was mm. the the sermon. Yeah. So why don't you just give us a little bit big picture of what you covered yesterday in your outline? Maybe some big points for for the people at home. Yeah. Yeah. So fullness is one of the themes that shows up in this letter of Colossians and seemingly because that was a part of certainly what was part of the false teaching that was playing out in Colossae was, was undermining the sufficiency of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so Paul is making rather than even, you know, sometimes I wish he gave us more about the specifics of the false teaching doesn't give us a whole lot. But rather than focusing on the counterfeit, he focuses on the genuine article. And so what he talks about a lot in the letter is the fullness of Jesus, mm-hmm. the sufficiency of Jesus. So yesterday, the way to kind of the way that at least I broke down this this passage 
and apologies to my alliteration fans. Did not alliterate yesterday. Every now and then, I like to keep you on your keep, keep you on your toes. Um, full knowledge, full power, and full salvation. Full knowledge and power are things Paul specifically is praying for the yep. Colossians. Full salvation really was he pivots back at the end of these last couple of verses, verses 12, 13, 14 into um, gratitude again, where he began the letter mm-hmm. and really, in, you know, thanking God for the fullness of salvation that has been accomplished for him, but for the Colossians through Jesus. Yep. So the knowledge and power pieces relate directly to some aspect of this false teaching was about not, you know, additional secret knowledge that the Colossians were lacking and needed. Uh, the false teachers were saying we have it. And the power piece similar, that there is something lacking in the power of Jesus that, that, okay, it's great if you want to, you know, what, even what we might imagine someone in our, in our modern day saying that it's great if you want to follow the ethical teachings of Jesus. It's great if you want to take some of his, his ways of living that are helpful. Um, but there's, Mm -hmm. you're going to actually have to find another power source to, to like live your life. That's not going to be sufficient to actually live life in the 21st century. Um, so yeah, we talked about full knowledge um, full power, full salvation, and then full salvation really as kind of the teaser setting up next week in what's sometimes called the hymn of Christ, uh, really incredible passage in this letter and in the new Testament about Jesus and, and who he is and his work that we'll, uh, that we'll get to next, next week. Yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. I, yeah. I, I think the way that this Colossians is written is such this beautiful build. That's really, really exciting and really encouraging. And to your point, uh, so you did kick off yesterday with that, like, kind of little, little, like, toss at special knowledge being seeming to be what Paul is refuting in some way. Yeah. Now it is, there's something left to be wanting when on our end of things where it's like, but like, what was the special knowledge? Was it one thing or an assortment of things? Uh, you know, what, what is that? We can sometimes live there without actually marveling at the real instead of the counterfeit. And I think that's like a really helpful thing to think about um, as we look into our first question. Yeah. Uh, so our first question uh, on this side of things, they, the questioner said, are there more tricks that false teachings claims to have other than just special power and hidden knowledge? Hmm. Um, and like on top of that, how do we then as Christians identify false teaching or, right. or, false power or hidden knowledge, whatever these things are in our current day, and even combat those false teachings. So identifying yeah. false teaching and combating combating false teaching, we could probably spend a whole podcast on oh, this yeah. idea, a whole sermon series maybe even on, on that. Yep. Uh, so what are some good ways to frame that for Bible study discussions this week, Matt? Yeah, for sure. Because you could definitely take a, a whole Bible study and then some talking about this. So I would I would encourage maybe people not to get too sidetracked on that. But classic grid for early heresies in the church, false mm-hmm. teachings, has everything to do with what people do with the person of Jesus yep. and whether or not they emphasize or diminish either the full humanity or full divinity of Jesus. Yep. So one really important grid when you're thinking about false teaching is to go, what if, who do they say Jesus is? And are they diminishing either or both of the full humanity or the full divinity of Jesus? There's a bunch of different cool names that I won't go into today for like the different Christological heresies about Jesus and what, you know, how some emphasize the humanity to the detriment of the divinity and then some vice versa. But that's a really important grid. Uh, I think another one that Paul makes very clear in the New Testament is 
is Jesus plus something else necessary for salvation? Yeah. And that plus something makes the whole thing a different gospel. Yeah. That's Galatians, like in yeah. a nutshell. Like don't add anything to the gospel of Jesus. It makes it not the gospel at all. Um, so false teaching would be adding something. And that something of that is playing out yeah. here with Colossians too. Yeah. Um, the specifics here, you know, the secret knowledge piece is a common one. You, so, so maybe here's a couple grids. One's the humanity divinity of Jesus. Yep. One is, are they adding something to the work of Jesus that's necessary for salvation? And then three would be, are they taking something, even if true, or maybe in the Bible, but less clear and elevating it to like a really prominent, significant thing in the Christian yep. life. So like Paul does get into in Colossians 2, something about angels, something about visions, uh, something about asceticism, you know, denying yep. yourself certain gifts of God, mm-hmm. all of which there's a biblical basis for all of those things. Yeah. But it seems to be that false teachers will take some smaller aspect that's probably a third, fourth, fifth make order thing primary. and make it a primary thing. And so I, that's maybe a, a simple, at least for today, grant to use. What do you do with Jesus? Do you add something to Jesus's work yeah. necessary for salvation? And do you emphasize something as primary that really is not primary? Yeah. And what about the maybe combating false teachings Mm. piece? So there's one thing to identify using the grid, but combating, um, you know, I think an easy answer to that is by gathering each week, we're combating false teaching, right? Uh, Submitting ourselves to the the teaching of the elders as under shepherds over our people, keeping watch over our our little flock here, our, our little group here in Harrisburg. But what are ways that we do that even in like the kind of decentralized gathering of people in Bible study spaces or in our homes or things like that, man. Yeah, that's really good. I, I would say certainly test everything with scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading through Acts right now in the in the daily New Testament reading plan that we're doing as a church. The Bereans example always mm-hmm. jumps out. The Bereans were more faithful because they were examining the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. Yeah. It's a great example to follow for our lives. Um, you know, I would say historical theology and maybe the simplest way is the creeds, the apostles creed. Yeah. That's a great grid to kind of go, okay, let's combat the lies with the truth. So that has a lot to say about the humanity, divinity of Jesus, for example. Um, and I think just always have the category that there is, that there, there is such a thing as false teaching. Like there are people that would be happy for you to follow Jesus so long as you also added this other thing to it or took away this thing from what following Jesus meant. Yeah. Um, and I think that's maybe the way to, um, to combat it just to be, you know, the first step of combating is to be aware that it exists and not to assume that every statement made about Jesus in a positive connotation is therefore true. Yeah. Um, so there's just a couple, a couple thoughts for, for, um, yeah, for today, but it does certainly emphasize the need for knowledge yeah, and not doing an end around, a bur- you know, our brains, which was kind of that whole emphasis that Paul said being filled with the knowledge of God's will. Right. And I, I think that's a helpful transition for us because your whole second point was around being full of knowledge because mm-hmm. Paul is specifically praying for two things, knowledge filled with knowledge of God's will and yeah. all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's praying for two things, knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. here. And we have like several questions kind of in this category Great. of framework. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of start with our first one here. So I appreciate that you mentioned that our belief is not just on hope, but based on facts. So really this idea that you you quoted Jen Wilkin yesterday, my, yeah. girl, my girl Jen, uh, <laughs> that you can't love what you don't know, which I, I think is a really helpful kind of 
framework to think about this this question. Um, how do we argue facts then to to non Christians? And how do we demonstrate that Christianity isn't something mystical, but is grounded in truth? Yeah. Which yeah. is a difficult task considering the resurrection. For sure. Is the, you know, framework in which we're looking to to regard our our faith as truth, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what, what does that look like to do that well now? Yeah, I, I think there are some really good resources out there um, that can help people walk through this. Okay. Um, Jonathan Dodson wrote a book years ago, we've been thinking about Easter coming up and the resurrection being maybe more at the forefront of people's minds, even if they're not Christian, because that's just a time of the year that they might have historically gone to church or thought about that. He wrote a book called Raised with a question mark at the end. And that's a pretty accessible, short, succinct, um, apologetic you know, argument for the historical reliability of the resurrection specifically. Yeah. Um, there's also really good resources out there about the reliability of, the, of scripture, the gospel accounts. Yeah. So I would say familiarize yourself with the questions that people specifically are asking. Yeah. We don't want to answer questions people aren't asking. Um, but as they are asking them, these are, these are things that have been asked for centuries by people that have not been Christians, but have really wanted to know, is this reliable historically? Is it, is it just your wishful thinking hope? Is it just your, what we might call subjective hope? Like it doesn't really matter if it's true. And actually I might, I'm, I haven't quite landed the plane on where I'm going exactly with my points in the sermon this Sunday, but that's one of the things that may be parsing out objective and subjective hope. But, um, but there's some really great reasons as you become familiar with the specific questions non-Christians are asking about fact, about the truth and the reliability of those things. There really are some great resources that help you get your head around those arguments. John Stott has, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Um, then I'm happy to send the links out if that's helpful too, but that's a, that's a thought there. Right. And I, I think I would also say be open to the idea that like intellectual argumentation isn't the only thing that's an apologetic for what God is doing and is doing in, in our lives. There is yeah. power in um, knowing the questions that our people are asking, yeah. but also living relationally in a way that we are sharing of the things that God is doing and, and done in our lives, that we're living out lives that are actually uh, applying the knowledge yeah. that we have. Yeah. Uh, the way that we love each other, uh, that we talked about that in the first John series is yeah. actually one of the best apologetics for, uh, right. the, the reality that this is true, uh, yeah. and that God is at work. So, yeah. uh, be open to the idea that there is a newer wave of spiritualism in our lower C context, right where we live. That's right. That's very different than the anti-intellectual conversation that we were having maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so it's helpful not to just know the questions that the people in your lives are asking, but are we asking the questions of the culture that we live in to say, no, what are the questions that the people that are my neighbors have and not necessarily all the questions that broader society have? That's really good. Because uh, we don't have to have every single answer to every single thing from yeah. an intellectual perspective to testify to what is true. That's really good. Um, and I think that's just like a really helpful recalibration for ourselves um, and a good conversation to have even in Bible studies to say, what, yeah, are, like, what are the questions yeah. that the, 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 the folks and our believers in our lives have and how yeah. can we help each other? Uh, testify to what is true in mm-hmm. those things. So I think that's a helpful recalibration as as well, not just intellectual argumentation, but man, like just talk about what Jesus is doing in your life uh, and see what that does in relational intimacy with not Christians. 
I think that's right on. And I, as you're talking about that too, Jenna, I think the other piece, and even this is a, this is a page stolen right out of John Stott's playbook and one yeah. of his other good, good resources that's just called basic Christianity, mm-hmm. which is a great resource for someone that's considering Christianity or brand new to the faith. Yeah. But he even mentions in there that he would, with someone who was, who was seeking, someone who was asking questions about the reliability of the resurrection of scripture, he would kind of put this question out there, I think fairly early relationally in the context of the relationship and would say, Hey, if I am able, and I'm not saying I am, but if I were able to answer all of your intellectual questions to the fullest extent, would you be willing to change your life to actually live in light of, of this? And even like what Paul's saying yesterday, like we only, we only really know what we practice. You're kind of asking even someone who's not a Christian to say, Hey, there are legitimate intellectual questions. Yeah hard ones. Um, but are you asking them because you're, it's like, a, it's a convenient kind of like smoke screen to avoid having to change your life. Cause you, you know, cause if you can kind of say, well, who knows if like you just was, was, was like, we can say with, with like a lot of certainty because of the reliability of these accounts over the years that Jesus physically rose from the dead and walked among yeah. people that were living 500 of them, but it's, you know, so we can say things like that. So, mm-hmm. so his question was kind of like, are you just kind of kicking the can down the road by using kind of intellectual truth as a smokescreen or, or are you really genuinely seeking because you really are ready to align your life with this? Yeah. And I would say the, the ditch there is yeah. if we wait until we have all the intellectual argumentation to yeah. bolster ourselves, to be ready for these conversations, we'll never have them. That's true. Um, That's not true. And the, the reality is, is like normal non-Christians aren't asking the same hyper-intellectual questions sometimes that we're even asking sometimes when we are facing yeah. unbelief in ourselves, right? Yeah. Uh, and as we move away from being more and like being more and more post-Christian, even in our North American context, I think that's going to become even more and more of a reality where people aren't coming from the theological frameworks that we are. And we have to acknowledge that mm-hmm. uh, and be ready for that, but also not avoid that yeah. until we're, we've read all the books and read all the things. Yeah. Um, I think the Bible compels us that we are meant to be sharing this even immediately, mm-hmm. right? We see a, a, that on display all over the new Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, that's really fun to think about. And it, it removes even some of the pressure mm. uh, from, from these conversations in, yeah. in my head. Um, let's drill down a little bit further though, in this kind of like dichotomy of knowledge and, and wisdom mm, sure. a little bit. And uh, we have a questioner that is kind of asking some questions. So the first one here, um, let's like maybe think about the people that find faith in the intellectual road. So uh, what are the ways in which knowledge can contribute to salvation? So they cited like C.S. Lewis, for example. Yeah. Um, what are the ways that they can contribute, but like that's not the only contribution to someone's salvation, if if that makes sense, Matt? Let's Yeah, I I think that's the incredible part about people's lives and stories is that they they can come to a place of faith from very different, some have like a very existential crisis. Right. And that's what ends up leading them to say, oh, okay, I I think I need something outside of myself. Yeah. I need to look beyond myself. And it's much more of that, you know, heart, emotion, like that's the that's the driver of it. There's some folks like like C.S. Lewis that they really do go through the intellectual yeah. road first. Like they are really a genuine seeker or in his case, 
very opposed to yeah. uh, that and thinking it kind of backwards. And yeah. like, I can't, a, a, an intellectual person couldn't possibly mm-hmm. agree with the claims that are being made yeah. in a supernatural view of the world. And so. It's th- like a case for Christ. Yeah. Least Robel, least Robel, yeah. Least is another example, probably intellectually Absolutely. dealing with things and then that leading them to uh, seeing the consistency of scripture and can, you know, giving their life to, to Christ as well. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the way I think I said it yesterday was, I mean, the, I mean, the gospel is a message right. to be believed. And I, I go always to the first Corinthians 15 part where Paul talks about, you know, I delivered to you what I also received, these things of first importance, mm. uh, which is about the life and death and burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus that are yeah. historical events that are, that we would need to know and believe that they were true, but there's a, there is an intellectual piece to say yeah. how, you know, the reliability, how can we know they're true? So I think it's, um, I think it's, you know, maybe that's the counterpoint to my, to my John Stott thing before. Like some yeah. people use intellectualism as like a way to dodge actually dealing with the heart level stuff in their life. Right. Some people genuinely do have intellectual yeah. questions and it, and, it, and that really is going to be the road for them that leads them yeah. to faith. And, and CS Lewis is a great example. Hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. So, and, and yesterday you kind of talked about this like spiral of knowledge mm. and wisdom that kind of happens in our sanctification process. So like the neurotypical yeah. uh, follower of Jesus is going to first have this intellectual knowledge that's going yeah. to drip into our, by the, through the power of God, the spirit of God, conforming us to that knowledge and changing our hearts and, yeah. and flowing out in our actions that lead to even more knowledge, intimacy, understanding. So that's the spiral you talked about. Right. That's right. the ideal like yeah. picture of sanctification, right? Yeah. Um, but we also recognize that a lot of our world isn't ideal. Sure. So this this questioner is trying to kind of drip into that yeah. like a little bit further yeah. and asking the question, what about the folks that may not have the capacity to think in ways that others do? And I even think, you know, let's talk about maybe children even sure. in this category as well. Um, I had a student who, when they were very young, had to have surgery that removed half of their brain. Hmm. Needless to say, this person has very limited functioning, cognitive functioning. Yeah. Um, what can you say about that? Yeah. I can assure you this person probably would never be able to understand the content. So you just mentioned yeah. the gospel is a message, yep. uh, a message of good news, of salvation, but they would maybe never be understand it. So yeah. what do we, how do we wrap our brains around mm-hmm. that uh, in, yeah. in this discussion of, of knowledge and, and maybe even just to the point of full salvation, the assurance of our salvation, what, what do we do with that in the ramifications of the, the brokenness of our, our world that we live and exist in, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that someone thought this way and asked this question because yeah. that's a really, it's really helpful to step outside of maybe what is just easy to assume and say, okay, well, if this is the neurotypical, this is the the, the way the average kind of brain works, yeah. there, there are, because of the fall, uh, all kinds of ways that it doesn't work that way correctly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I really take a lot of comfort in the the character of God mm-hmm. and the and the love that God has for his people, certainly, but for the world. Mm-hmm. And even the idea that God is a God who's who not only is there but is but has spoken, but has mm-hmm. revealed himself. Yeah. And that the God, you know, there's certain things that we don't none of us, the highest functioning brain 
doesn't understand in the mystery of God. Yeah. But there are, but, but God is not about hiding himself. Right. He's about revealing himself. And that's what this whole book is about. This really. whole book of the Bible, this whole, like, yes, it's all about this is God revealing himself. And so there is the principle in scripture of mm. we're accountable for what we are able to grasp of God's revelation. Mm-hmm. And so you even have like Jesus going around and saying to like the Jewish leaders, like it will be more bearable for, for Sodom and Gomorrah, for Tyre and Sidon, like these, mm-hmm. these like completely pagan, you know, cities, it'll be more bearable for them on the day of judgment than it will be for you, Jewish, mm-hmm. Jewish you know, descendants of Abraham, yeah. because you've been given yeah. an incredible Holy, revelation to God's revelation all the way through yeah. you're rejecting all the revelation that you have. Um, now, you can you can fall off a cliff here really quickly and start to say, say, is God a universalist? And if someone at Romans one that will be yes that he has revealed himself in in creation, and so I think that that we have a category to say no one is saved except through Jesus. Yeah, everyone is accountable to at least the revelation that is there for them to see and yeah. to understand, and certainly that's creation, and certainly you know. Um, Mm-hmm. And so if, if if that like disincentivizes us from sharing the gospel because we're like, well, we would rather not say it to someone because then if they know less than me, like that's the wrong motive clearly in scripture. If we become universalist and just say God saves everyone, that's clearly not the motivation in right. scripture. I think I just – I look at it at, from a character of God's standpoint and say I find comfort in God um, – holding people accountable to what they can know and, mm-hmm. and, and in his revelation. And so if someone that has lost half of their brain as a young child and just truly does not have the mental intellectual ability to grasp, yeah, I, I would say from a practical standpoint, I would still, in the way that you would still love that person, try to help them understand anything. You still walk with them yeah. through and help them try to understand as much as they could about Jesus. Yeah, But to take comfort in the fact that even if they – are just intellectually just not able to grasp those concepts because of because of that cognitive function that God that that doesn't automatically mean like this is God's condemning judgment on them because mm-hmm. they aren't able to articulate it the way that that the, the average normal functioning brain would right so th- there's a lot there like I you know it's probably something to really dive into and unpack more right. pastorally but like at least you're hearing some of my my musings on, on how would I understand scripture to teach principally about that. Right. And I think even back, so in our group this past week, we shared like tiny bits of our stories. Yeah. And a lot of people in my group even talked about coming to faith in Jesus as kids. Yeah. And just the simplicity of that. Yep. Um, and we see that all over Jesus's teachings when yep. he's looking at the adults in his life that don't have a clue. He's like, come to me with this simplicity. Um, and my spirit is at work conforming and pulling yeah. people to myself that there there does this seem to be like this idea of neediness and dependence mm-hmm. that that children. And even if we're talking about like non-neurotypical stuff we're talking about maybe even a scenario like this one yeah there is a kindness of god to be near to that yeah um that i think that we can also see all over scripture that we can take a lot of comfort in and i take a lot of comfort in knowing that like jesus saved me and there was like silly little evidences of that like i just wasn't afraid anymore as a kid like my fear was different Um, someone even said, I was nice to my sister. I didn't want to hit her, yeah. you know, anymore. And yeah. it's just like little simple things, yeah. um, that are evidence that the spirit is working, that fruit is happening. Yep. 
and I think that we can like expand our horizons a little bit and, and take courage, even in the simplicity, even our own stories yeah. of if we came to know Jesus as kids, what does that even look like? That's right. Great. And hold that open handed a little bit mm-hmm. as well in that discussion. Yeah. Great. So I take, I take some comfort in that too, in my, in my full salvation, yeah. uh, that Jesus was able to use my little child mind to realize I needed them, that's, you know, that's exactly. and that's, that was encouraging for even our group this, this weekend. That's good. Hopefully encouraging to you. Um, let's transition away from knowledge. Okay. So we don't spend too much time in knowledge and we look at your second point, full power. Yeah. Um, so we have a person that actually, so you talked about really two things, power and patience in yeah, this and section. Endurance and patience. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah. so like this, this idea, well, it, you kind of talked about it though, like power, like, the power of God like helps us think of, or like endurance is like circumstantial and patience yeah. is for people. Right. Uh, right. And the power of God is fueling both. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so this person is kind of asking a question on the patience okay. side yeah. of things. So on the theme of having endurance uh, and patience with joy, how do we have joy in all things? Mm-hmm. And specifically, how do we like hold the balance between grief lamenting hurt pain suffering and having joy in the midst of all things um sometimes it feels fake to say i need to be joyful while be pound- being pounded on the anvil so yeah. um yeah like what is the juxtaposition of holding uh and being honest with yeah. circumstantial things that are happening both just circumstances and then people circumstances mm-hmm. um and lamenting and all these other things while still stewarding joy at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's really good. Which not a small topic at all. No, not a small topic. I, I think I would, you know, I think the, the most common way I've heard this parsed out is that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. So happiness is like this circumstantial, like I love this right now. Right. Versus joy has a sense of realizing what this moment is doing for the long term. Right. God is at work. God is bringing to completion the good work he's begun in me. God is reconciling the world to himself and Jesus. I have, I have joy knowing that this moment is part of that bigger story. Yeah. But not necessarily having to in the moment, like fake a smile when right. it's just because there is lament and there is grief right. and there is, and that's this, you know, Paul is able to write um, that we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Mm. And so we, we in the Christian life in this paradoxical way, hold these things together all the time, all the time. And so if, if we're looking at it, like I need to be a hundred percent joyful and 0% sorrowful, um, or, you know, in other times I need to be a hundred percent sorrowful and 0% joyful. I think, I think that's, you know, that's the wrong grid to use. Right. It's complicated to carry both together, mm-hmm. but we're always carrying both together. We're always yeah. carrying sorrow because this this is the, it's the not yet of the yeah, fact yeah. that sin is still marring my life and our world and our relationships, and so we're sorrowful and yet rejoicing because of the already of what Christ has accomplished that we have full salvation that He is. You know, I use that yeah. anvil metaphor, and this person's picking up on that that in this question that yeah. He is forming something really beautiful through these trials, yeah. hard circumstances, and and the hard people in our lives. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe an, an intro to joy in all things um, is held together with a realistic uh, sorrow too in right. what is not yet completed and what is hard about that. Yeah. Where my mind went when I read this yeah. 
uh, I was thinking about the the narrative of Ruth and mm. the difference between uh, Naomi and Ruth in that. Wait, yeah, yeah. So in that like situation where it's like the you can either allow grief to push you into taking residence in it yeah. and forming bitterness, rename you and like, like renaming bitterness. yourself, yeah. Pushing that toward, like, mm. I'm only going to back to the land that the the people of God because I have to. Yeah. Uh, versus Ruth clinging to the identity of who God is yeah. and what He is for His people, and being able to see the system that God put into work as something that was mm. a joy. So she was able to still like leave her family, choose this mother in law, uh, but then go back and then see the the framework of the people of God as a real gift mm-hmm. and a kindness to her to be able to glean mm-hmm. and to work and still be sorrowful and like leave everything she's ever known. Yeah. But do it with an open handedness, knowing who God is and that he's put this thing in place to yeah. actually serve her and care for her and keep her. And I think that's the difference of like grieving. Yeah. But like taking up residence in our grief and allowing that to change and shape us yeah. the moment that it becomes like we've renamed ourselves yeah. by our circumstances, by our grief. I think we've taken our lamenting maybe a little too far. Yeah. Uh, and yep. we're, we're missing the ability for us to step back mm-hmm. and say, no, no, what are the small markers of joy? Mm-hmm. Uh, kernels of joy. I, yep. I'd like to, to put it into my own life. Yeah. And I can say, I can still see the goodness and kindness of God. What's mm. a, what's a gift he's given me? What's a small truth that I can hold on to mm. that's going to like get me through today? Yeah. Uh, that testifies to those things. But also I think Paul mm. is even rooting some of that outside of ourselves. Um, he's looking to our inheritance. So I think that's one of the reasons that's in that list of five things that you talked about that is true of us and right. salvation. Yeah. Cause he's like, guess what? Those joys of truth can't just be the things that you can grab at. Like they're going to be things that you, it's that now, but not yet tension to. That's right. So it's this mixture of applying both the now, but not yet. But like also we God is still the giver of good gifts in the midst of holding these two things at the mm-hmm. same time that I think is helpful as well. Yeah. Um, so don't let grief and lamenting be your new name is maybe what I would say. Yeah, that's really good. That's in in this that season of holding those things if in, those things into them, yeah. and if you are there though, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that like being transparent. So yesterday you stopped everything, yeah, and said, "Let's take a moment and let the Spirit of God put people on our hearts, yeah, that need patience, endurance, that they need the power of God to fuel totally. in those different spaces." I would encourage you this week to be honest if you're one of those people. Yeah. Oh my gosh, please. That's a, in, in your Bible study group is a great place to do that and ask for that prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be honest when you're, you've become the person that's renaming yourself as bitterness or whatever that circumstance is. Yeah. Um, and let the prayers of God and even this list like be an encouragement yeah. to you uh, this week in your Bible studies. I, I would encourage you to live there um, more than anything else uh, this week. Yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts on that, Matt? I I would agree with that. I, I, I my mind did not go to Ruth, but I love that and the um, yeah, Naomi naming herself bitter it, yeah, it's is, just is wild. living there in a different way. Yeah, it's it's not just it's not just holding these things together in, in the difficulty of that through our life, 
but it's taking yeah, it Yeah, we're being formed by something other than what is true of us in our salvation. And that is, I think, just a really good question to say, am I being formed by something else? Mm-hmm. And that is becoming too much of our identity mm-hmm. that isn't just true of what our circumstance is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a really helpful reminder for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we've covered uh, knowledge and power yeah. uh, with our questions. And our final question is on that kind of full salvation that you you admitted yesterday was more of just a teaser. A little teaser, a little teaser rapid fire. To come. Uh-huh. Uh, like, the the hymn that's coming, but also really just the rest of Colossians unpacking this idea yeah. of the supremacy of Jesus yep. in and through all things, which yep. that's even a taste of, of what's coming, which yeah. is really fun and exciting. Um, but maybe let's do big picture. Uh, the questioner say, I'd like it if you could dig deeper into the fullness of salvation that was mentioned at the end of the sermon. It was on the shorter end. It would be nice if we could have more on this topic. Even if it's a review, it's always good to like have some handholds, a little bit more detail for us to take into our Bible studies with us. Yeah, it's a great question. It's um so the the metaphor, the big metaphor that I've that I've liked over the years and used over the years is that salvation is a diamond mm-hmm. and it has all these different facets. So these metaphors and pictures in scripture are different facets of the same diamond. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all called kind of um, in an umbrella term salvation. But within it, if you turn the diamond a little bit each time, there's a different facet. You can see it through this different picture that we're given in Scripture. So the five that, that Paul rattles off, and I just was able to give kind of a quick explanation yeah, to him. Yeah, there. Yeah, but there's a um, – yeah, and maybe well, – I won't do like the deep dive today, just in the same in the same heart. It's like let's um, – maybe my encouragement overall here would be there's probably more than enough to dig into on the full knowledge and full power – there's a couple Bible study application questions uh, related to those things. Yeah. Even praying for each other for that you'd be filled with knowledge, filled with strength to endure and have yeah. patience as you just rightfully directed us, Jenna. And the um, the piece here just being to kind of whet your appetite for what we can what we can do more in our Bible study groups a little more this next week. Mm-hmm. But the qualification piece, you know, that our conditions are met. Um, one of the things the false teachers were saying, and Paul refers to this in chapter two, is that they're, that they're being disqualified. The, the false teachers, a, co- a common tactic with this knowledge and power thing is that false teachers will say, um, hey, you're, you're, you're disqualified. Yeah. You don't have the you right don't know this, conditions. So you don't you're know not it. In, yeah. And, and it's this, and he talks more about this in Galatians, but like they disqualify you so that you then in your insecurity hook onto them and go, okay, well, I, yeah. now give me what you have because I want to be qualified. And, and that's how cults form. And that's how cults form. That's, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So qualified is one, uh, in this inheritance, qualified to share the inheritance is one facet of that diamond. Another one is mm-hmm. deliverance and that we're freed from slavery to sin. Yep. New Exodus, Jesus is the greater Moses. Um, he yeah. sets us free from that. Very similar to deliverance is this idea of being transferred. So we don't see this one as much in the New Testament, but but it's in this letter. Yeah. And I and it was it really jumped out to me that that that's the same word as being deported. Mm-hmm. And so you know that you normally we think of being deported as a negative thing, has a negative connotation of that word. This is an amazing deportation. Yeah. Um, because our home was the domain of darkness. Yeah. That's where we used to live. That's where our residency yeah. was. We've been deported by by the grace and mercy of God out of there and yeah. into the kingdom of the beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, redemption, very common one throughout scripture. 
related to deliverance. Yep. Redemption being picturing almost um, sin and us as as slaves to sin in like a market, like a slave market, and having someone come and pay the ransom, the price for our freedom, saying, I'll buy you, but not to enslave you the way your former cruel taskmasters did, but to set you free. Yeah. <laughs> that's re- that's redemption and then fifth the forgiveness of sins also right. so um maybe that's as much as we can do for today but but just to say you could take each and every one of these things do a deep dive on all of them find the and if you have a bible that has cross references yeah. in them that's a great resource to use for something like this and really do a deep dive into that yeah and and even i would say even just challenging us to look at this list and ask the, ask ourselves a question, how often do we thank God for these things, that they are true of us? Uh, and allowing, you, you talked about this being like a, a transition yesterday of Thanksgiving to like praying to Thanksgiving again. Uh, and how much does what Paul is praying for here uh, and Maybe we're not living in the fullness of that salvation, oh. um, but how often are we thanking God for these things in a way that is like actually conforming us to these things? You know what I'm saying? Like the work is done. It's complete. Yeah. But like there is an ongoing application of these things that I think that, that we're getting at here yeah. and even getting at in the rest of the book yep. uh, of Colossians. So I, I do think that there is something there like how much does the does this lift shape our prayers? It's really good. Uh, when we think about what we're thankful for, if you're using an Acts prayer at at our yeah. Adoration Convention Thanksgiving, how what are you normally thanking God for? Mm-hmm. Um, is it this or is it gifts or it, you know like what what are we thanking Him for? Yeah, and I think like Paul is helping us see it's probably really good to spend a chunk of our Thanksgiving living here. Absolutely, and it's okay if we spend the rest of our lives as Christians living here. Yep. Uh and yep. that living here helps influence our maturity and growth and expansion to be able to understand and know totally. to live this out even even further, which is yeah, and helpful. It, and it and it gives you the assurance that that frees you to actually keep pursuing the knowledge and power right. that aren't full yet. Right. I think it's that's that's where like you, you know you look at okay I don't know so much and I don't have the power that I need to endure and have patience right now. Right. Uh, you can feel crushed by the inadequacy of it. Yep. it. The inadequacy is meant to remind us of our dependence and drive us to Christ. Yeah. But the beauty of of it is that we're 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 reminded of the of those gaps in our lives. We're reminded of what we what we still need to be filled up with. Right. From the place of absolute security that we already have, right. fullness of salvation in Jesus. Right. And so that was just the simple kind of, but you know, hopefully yeah. profound, hopefully meaningful ending to to the teaching yesterday was. Right. You know, ask for what you what you need, but you don't have to keep asking for what you already have. Yeah, but we can thank them for it. Absolutely, and that's yeah. what Paul's doing in the in the letter. That's what we should do. And I completely. think that's just like a really helpful shaper of our prayers for mm-hmm. ourselves and for others. Yeah. Um. That I think, hey, we can actually pray this list over each other this week in our Bible studies yeah. and see what God does with it, which is really, really, just really cool and encouraging yeah. to to think through. On our end of things, um, so you, so okay, we've covered all of our questions yeah. from all of our, our listeners out there. Uh, you mentioned the questions uh, that you've provided. Yep. Um, how do just a reminder? How do people get to those? Anything yeah. from that list that you would just emphasize uh, for Bible study leaders or Bible studies this week? Um, 
Yeah, I, I think there'll probably be more than enough content from what we talked about today. So and that. There's always a lot that we can unpack. But those that there's a Google Doc called Bible Study Sermon Application Questions, Winter Spring 2024. If you're in a Bible study group currently, the group in the Church Center app has a resources tab. And in there, that document lives all the time. Uh, if for some reason you're having any trouble accessing that, just let us know. We'll yeah. get you the link another way. But we update that every week with questions for each new sermon. So there's three on there that yeah. each one that makes sense. Updated on Fridays, right? Typically Friday afternoons yeah. or Saturday yeah. mornings, but they're yeah they're there for sure by the time Bible studies start meeting. Yeah, based on that sermon. So if you're a person that takes time and needs to look at questions ahead of time, yep. you can start looking at those after listening to the sermon on a Sunday. You, you can uh, to start preparing for for group that week yeah. as well. Yeah, so I would say you know live there. Uh, these other things are really good to dive into, but but I would. Um, you know, I think identifying that gap between your knowledge and your practice, that was one of my points, right. praying for each other in that praying for, for people that need spiritual strength and need all power for endurance and patience. Yeah. And even just being honest, if you're, you're there yourself. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would live there with most of your time this week if I was the groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does this text answer that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fun with the, the full, the full salvation yeah. point. It really answers those two questions very thoughtfully yeah. uh, with substance. Totally. Um, and that's a good place to live to to hang our hats on this week. Yeah. Uh, any other final closing thoughts for uh, the folks at home this week? No. Um, yeah, we'll be praying for you as you launch into your Bible study groups and praying that this series continues to, to be helpful and fuel good discussion and mm. that we actually do become people who... Um, by the grace of God, because of that full salvation, do walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and fully mm-hmm. pleasing to Him. That's that's um, that's what we're after is uh, is to actually put this stuff into practice together. Yeah, man. Well, thanks, Matt, for yeah. uh, your thoughtful responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to uh, the the listeners out there and Bible study leaders and Bible study attendees that sent us questions. Yeah. Thank uh, you. That's great. And, uh, I'm just encouraged to continue hearing stories, not just questions, but maybe by the end of this, we can celebrate mm. uh, some of the ways that God has worked out his power, uh, and wisdom and knowledge in this cycle yeah. at the end of all of this. And we look forward to that and are confident that God is going to continue to move us in this spiral mm. in this journey together. So really excited to celebrate those things uh, that are to come. Um, and thank you guys for your questions. Make sure if you have those, you can send those to us in a, a myriad of different ways. Uh, I think you hit all of them this week to get us to them. So that's really awesome. Thank you for those, those questions. And we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. Yeah. Take care, everybody. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.